0: This episode is sponsored by HoneyBadger. There is a lot of confusion in the asset pipeline on a modern Rails application. A long time ago, we received Sprockets, which was a great answer in how we can manage our JavaScript assets, the CSS, images, within a Rails application. Back then, I believe it was around 2007 that Sprockets was originally introduced, we didn't really have any good solutions, or at least the solutions available back then were kind of tedious to work with. And for many years, we've had Sprockets, and it's been a pretty good way that we can handle our assets, especially because we didn't have any kind of library or package manager for our JavaScript assets or the CSS. However, a lot of that changed once we got Webpacker, and Webpacker was a controversial topic for some because it did have a lot of nuances, especially once you got deeper into its configuration. And the deeper you dove down that rabbit hole, the more confusing things got, and the more brittle they got in some cases. And then with Rails 7 introduced the JS bundling Rails, which could be used instead of the default import maps in a Rails 7 application. With the JS bundling, we could use ES Build, Rollup, or Webpack to bundle our JavaScript assets. And along with that, we also got CSS bundling for Rails. And with this, we could use Bootstrap, Tailwind, or other front-end libraries and deliver it via the asset pipeline in a Rails application. And then circling back to our asset pipeline, we have Propshaft. And so we have all these different packages and libraries, and it can get very confusing for someone who really doesn't know which one is what, what's the newer technology, and really what path forward they should go. So in this episode, I'm going to show you my preferred way of developing within a modern Rails application, what the asset pipeline is, and just to get around some of the nuances. So let's start off by creating a new Rails application, and I'm just going to call it example one. We're not going to give it any flags. So, by default, this is going to use import maps as our package manager for the JavaScript side of things. We can pull up this application and let's first look at our gem file. So, we have sprocket rails and we have the import maps. And overall, this isn't a bad path forward. Sprockets has been battle tested for many years and import maps is the new way of delivering our assets. Especially when we're using H2 because we don't have to deliver one large package of our libraries. Instead, we could deliver each one individually and it's going to be a lot smaller. However, things do get a bit complicated with import maps, especially when we are including JavaScript libraries that also have associated CSS libraries or files that are needed. And one example that keeps coming back to me whenever I am using import maps is the full calendar library. And the full calendar library is really great. However, it does have some issues around working with import maps because we do use the NPM installation of full calendar. But when we are using it and pinning it with import maps, we don't really have access to the CSS side of things. And so overall, while import maps, I think, is a great path forward, and it can be in the future, I don't think it's really ready yet because there's still a lot of things we have to figure out. So I'm going to create another Rails application. We'll call this example 2, and we're going to pass in the flag JavaScript, and we're going to use ES build. This is my preferred way for developing in a Rails 7 application. And so one thing that you may notice as it's going through and installing the library is that now we do have a node.js dependency. We can pull up this example project. And the first thing that you may notice is now we have a node modules folder. However, if we look at this, it is significantly smaller than what we had with Webhacker. Webhacker would install hundreds and hundreds of libraries under the node modules. Now with ES build, it is much lighter, which means that it's ultimately going to be a lot faster. And again, as mentioned before, we do have that dependency on Node, so you will need to have that on your system in both the development and production environments. Another thing that you may notice is that we have a proc file, and this proc file will essentially start our rail server, and it'll also run the yarn build watch. And that yarn build watch can be found in the package JSON, and this essentially is going to run es build on any file within our JavaScript folder. So under the app JavaScript, anything within here, the application JS as well as the controllers folder is all going to get bundled together, and that's going to output to the app assets and builds. And so with all of this, whether we are using import maps or if we are using js bundling we are still using sprockets so sprockets is still the asset pipeline for this rails application however with es build it's a little bit different if we go under the assets folder and if we look at builds it automatically built an application.js and another new file that we got with using js bundling is under the bin folder and the dev command if we look at this, it runs Foreman, installing it if we don't already have it installed, and then it's going to run this procfile.dev, which means, again, that's going to start up our Rails server, and it's also going to start up the yarn build, which will then compile all of the assets that's under the JavaScript folder, and it's going to output it to the assets and builds. And remember, our application.js was empty here. But if we run bin dev, then that's going to start up our Rails application, and it's also going to build all of our JavaScript files and output it into the application.js under the app assets builds. So if we look at that file now, you can see that it is much larger because it has now pulled in not only the Turbo Rails, but also all of our stimulus controllers. So instead of having each one of these files that we need to include in our JavaScript include tag, we now have one singular reference. And so let's tie that all in under the views and the application layouts. So right now we have our style sheet link tag for the application. We also have a JavaScript include tag for the application. However, this application reference is not our app JavaScripts application.js. Instead, now this is referencing to the app assets build in the application.js. And so let's create another example application. We'll call this the example three. And I'm also going to add a CSS. And let's just use Bootstrap for this example. If you want, you can use Tailwind. It doesn't really matter. However, all of the Drift and Ruby episodes, I do create with a JavaScript ES build and a CSS of Bootstrap. And for the most part, not too many things will change from our previous example. We are adding the CSS bundling Rails gem, but let's go ahead and have a look at this example number three. For the most part, things are going to be very similar to the previous example where we still have that bin dev to launch our Rails application. But then let's go look at the proc file. We do have an additional thing listed here, and that's for the CSS. So if we look at the package.json now, We still have our build, but then we also have the build CSS. This is using SAS, and it's taking in the app assets style sheets and the application.bootstrap.sas file. And that is outputting it to the app assets builds. And then it's calling the file application.css. And we can launch the bin dev to see this compilation again. If we go under the app assets, and then the builds folder, Now we have an application CSS, which has all of our bootstrap code for the styling. And we also have the application.js, which again is all of our JavaScript assets that were compiled from the JavaScript folder. If we look at the layouts file, this looks exactly the same. However, now this style sheet link tag application is now referencing to this built one, even though under the app assets style sheets, we have this application.bootstrap.sas file. This is just importing in our bootstrap SAS files. And then sas is getting compiled down into the application CSS. So in all of this, we are still using the Sprocket Rails. And there's really nothing wrong with that, except it is older technology, meaning that it has so much bundled into it to help us with those previous versions of Rails applications where we really didn't have very good solutions. And before we have a look at PropShaft, I do want to run through. If we go ahead and stop our development environment and I'll clear the console, let's go ahead and run a Rails assets and then pre compile. Because we are using the JS bundling with ES build and the CSS bundling, when we run the assets pre compile, it's first running that ES build command which outputs to that asset's build directory. So we have our application.js. It then also runs that sass command, which outputs to the assets, builds, and the application.css. And from there, Sprockets takes over. And Sprockets is then fingerprinting all of the assets and then making those available in the public folder. And that's where Sprockets is really coming in. We do have the early hints of it, with the stylesheet link tag and the JavaScript include tag. So we are being delivered the style sheets and the JavaScript files via the asset pipeline. And sprockets is also being used to fingerprint the files and compile them down. You'll notice that we are getting the raw JavaScript file and we're also getting the gzip version of that. And so as far as how we deploy our applications, nothing really has changed with this. We can run the Rails assets clobber, to clean up that pre-compiled assets, which simply deletes everything in the public assets folder. And before we move on to looking at Propshaft, there is one thing that I do want to have a look at here because when we bring in assets like full calendar, there are some nuances. If we want to bring in a JavaScript library into this application, we could do a yarn add, and then we can specify the name of the library. In this case, I'm going to do the full calendar Core, and let's just leave it at that for now. There are some additional libraries if you want to use a full calendar library. However, I just want to illustrate an example here. And let's say under our hello controller, we want to use that full calendar. So we can import in, and we can bring in the calendar from the full calendar core. And in our initializer, let's just initialize this dot is equal to a new instance of calendar. And let's specify this side element. So this will make our div for the hello controller a calendar. And really to illustrate this, we will need to add with a yarn, add the full calendar time grid plugin. And within the simulus controller, we would need to import in that time grid from the full calendar time grid. Within the options, let's add the plugins and then we'll just reference that time grid plugin and let's set the initial view. So we'll have our initial view and we'll make this a time grid week. And before we can test this out, we do have to call this.calendar render to render out the calendar. And if we come back to our application and have a look, you can see that we have the full calendar up and running. However, it looks a little bit strange. Specifically, we've lost our bootstrap styling. And if we come over and have a look at the application.css file, that's under the app assets builds directory. You can see that now it is very different. We have all of the full calendar stylings, but that's really all we have. We've lost all of the bootstrap styling. And this is not an issue in full calendar 6.1. However, if you are on an older version, this is still an issue. Or if you're using another JavaScript library that isn't inlining the styles or adding the minified styles in the head. And so you can still run into this issue. And the easiest way to resolve this is in the package.json. If we come in here and look, the build for the ES build in our JavaScript is not only creating our application.js, but it's also creating the application.css because there are style sheets being included. With the CSS bundling and the build colon CSS command, we're taking in our application bootstrap sass file and then we're outputting it to the exact same file name. So I'm going to change this file name to let's say just something like application underscore styles. We'll save this. We'll close down our Rails application and we'll run the bin dev again. This will automatically compile everything. And now if we scroll up and look, we have our application.css, which was generated from build with all of our full calendar stylings. And then we also have the application styles which has all of the bootstrap styling. And this was compiled from the app assets, style sheets, and the application bootstrap.sass file. So now if we come under the views, layouts, and in the application html.erb, I'm going to copy out this style sheet link tag. And I'll also include the underscore styles. So now we have two different style sheets that we're bringing in, one that was built from the CSS bundling and one that was built from the JS bundling. If we come back to our application now and refresh the page, you'll see that we have the bootstrap styling and we still have all of these styling for the full calendar. And that's one of the weird nuances when using CSS bundling and JS bundling. And that's just something that you'll have to work through. And this is the recommended route, in my opinion, in dealing with those situations. Again, full calendar is not really affected by this because it has been updated to then just include a head tag for all of these styles. But there's still plenty other libraries out there that would still be affected by this. And so let's create our final application here and we'll call this the example four. We're still going to keep the JavaScript ES build, the CSS bootstrap, and I'm also going to add a third option called propshaft. This will go through just like it did before, but we are going to notice one major difference not in the creation of the application, but we're really going to see it in the gem file. Once it's complete, we can open up our editor again. And let's go ahead and have a look at the gem file. So now we no longer have sprockets. Instead, now we have propshaft, And that's really the biggest change here. If we come under our app assets, we still have our style sheets with the application bootstrap. And under the builds, we still have the application CSS and the application.js. If we run the bin dev command, we'll then see the application.js gets compiled with all the assets as well as the application.css. Let's go ahead and generate a controller and we'll just call this the welcome index. And under the config routes, I'll just make this our root path. So we can launch our application. We can refresh the page and we have Bootstrap working. And if we inspect the network tab, you'll see that we are still getting the fingerprinting. If we look at the JavaScript side of things, we're also getting the fingerprinting and things are working just as we would expect. And in our terminal, we can do a bin rails assets precompile. And much like we would expect is going through running the ES build and the SAS to precompile our assets. We can look under the public assets and then we see all of our assets just like we did before. We have our application style sheets with the fingerprint, as well as the JavaScript ones. And so the shift from Sprockets to Propshaft isn't really changing our day-to-day development or how things are getting deployed. It is just a much lighter weight solution than what Sprockets had, because Sprockets is still handling all of that backwards compatibility for the older Rails applications. On our new modern Rails applications, we really don't have that kind of overhead and so that's why Propshaft was invented to really just handle the specific tasks that it needs to on fingerprinting our assets and delivering them for the asset pipeline. And so with all of this said, it's not as simple as removing sprockets and then adding in Propshaft. If you are already on a Rails 7 application and if you have stuck pretty close to the Rails core way of doing things, then it really could be that simple. However, in most cases, you probably had some assets that you were pre-compiling either to use for email stylings or some other cases. And in those situations, you might have a few more troubles. Luckily, there is an upgrade guide, which does contain some step-by-step instructions that even helps you get rid of Webpacker and moving over to JS bundling, which would be the first step before I would even consider using PropShaft. Making sure that I am using the CSS bundling and the JS bundling, preferably with ES build. And once you make all those changes, it then recommends moving to CSS bundling, and then finally you can move from sprockets to propshaft. And so it does have the step-by-step instructions here. But again, if decisions were made along the way where you're pre-compiling certain assets then it may not be as simple as these steps. You may have to find some workarounds for those specific situations. But hopefully, this episode has helped demystify the asset pipeline in a modern Rails 7 application. And if there are any gaps that we didn't cover in this episode, you can go to DrifterRuby.com and go to this episode in the comment section and let me know what some of the things that are still missing or some of the questions that you have around it. Well, that's all for this episode. Thanks for watching.